I remember this was a few years ago. Um, a brand new show cropped up on TV. Some of you may have heard of this show. Uh, it was called This Is Us. Anyone remember the show? It's, I say remember. It's only just come to an end. And uh, I think we've got a picture here. If you've not seen it, this is the cast of that show, This Is Us. And uh, my wife was like, hey, we should watch this show. Everyone's talking about it. I'm like, ah, it doesn't sound like my kind of show. I'm kind of more of an action or comedy. You know, this sounds a bit sappy. Uh, so she went ahead and watched it. And as each season progressed, more and more people were watching it, more and more people were talking about it, and we'd be out together, and she'd be talking to people, have you seen this week's episode? Oh, I was, I was crying, it was so emotional. And I'm like, oh, whatever, whatever. So the last season is about to start, and Casey's like, hey, listen, before the last season starts, why don't we watch this show together? So we did, over the course of several weeks, uh, maybe a month or so, I'm not sure how long it was, we would, this would be our show. We'd kind of work through one or two episodes at a time, and, and we went through it, and I realized early on, wow, I see why so many people are enjoying the show. It's very powerful, very emotional. Um, but I realized early on, man, I've got to work hard to watch this show. This wasn't an easy show to watch because it doesn't start at the beginning and then just kind of work its way in a linear fashion. Like you're watching one week and Jack, the hero, he's at the hostel, he's just had these three babies and then suddenly you're seeing these three grown adults and you're like, who are these people? And you realize, oh, we've jumped like 30 years into the future now. And you're like, okay, okay, I've just kind of figured that out. And then suddenly we're back and they're teenagers. And then we're back when Jack's fighting in Vietnam. I'm like, I can't keep up. And I'll be sitting on the couch with Casey. I'm like, where are we now? Who are these people? She's like, well, this is the future. I was like, how are we in the future? We've never even met these people before. But it was so hard working. And then all the way up to the final episode when the whole family dies in a plane crash. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> Still watch it. It's a great show. They don't die at the end. Um, but I realized, you know, sometimes if you've been coming to church for a while or connect for a while, we, we can do that a little bit. We can be talking one week about Jesus and then one week we're talking about Moses and then we're talking about um, Paul and what's to come in the future. And you can feel a little bit like the show This Is Us where we're kind of jumping backwards and forwards. And so... Here at Connect, from time to time, we'll, we'll take a series and we'll look at one person in the Bible in particular. We've looked at Jonah, we've looked at Esther, we've looked at um, some different folks throughout the Bible. For the next few weeks, we're starting a brand new series this morning. We're actually going to go right back to the beginning. So if you imagine this is us, this will be the origin story where we went right back to the very first introduction of the oldest character in the show, maybe someone's dad and how it all moved forwards. We're going to go back and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a man by the name of Abraham. Now, Abraham, he only shows up for a little bit in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, but he's a key figure in the, the overarching story of the Bible. It's an incredible story of him and his family. And then throughout the Bible, people keep referring back to Abraham because it's really where everything began. So um, Abraham, he became known historically as the father of many nations, this is how much of a significant person Abraham was in history. Um, not only is he a, a key figure in the foundation of the Christian tradition, he's also a major character in the history of Judaism and Islam. Both those religions trace their roots back to Abraham. And all three of these world religions uh, look back to God calling Abraham out of the land from which he grew up to begin a new family and a new people. So we're going to be looking through the lens of Christianity over the next coming weeks. Uh, we just believe that God's interaction with Abraham was the beginning of a journey that would one day lead to Jesus, who would then one day lead to a transformational experience in many of our lives today. 
And like this show, This Is Us, the whole story um, of Abraham dates all the way back to 2,000 years before Jesus was born. 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And we'll get to see over the coming weeks, uh, not just the story of Abraham, but how that story plays into today's events. So originally, um, when we first meet Abraham in the book of Genesis, he actually goes by the name Abram, and you'll see that this morning. But I'm going to keep referring to him as Abraham. Uh, I think most of us know him more by that name, and uh, that's who he is going to become. But we're going to start this series today by looking at how his journey began as what many of us now call him the father of nations. So in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, this is the story of Abraham's beginning. The Lord said, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So we're only 12 chapters into the Bible. If you were to open the Bible today at the very first page and start in Genesis 1, you'd get through 11 chapters, and then we'd meet Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. But an awful lot has happened in those first 11 chapters prior to the introduction of Abraham. We've got the story of creation. We've got the story of Adam and Eve, how Adam and Eve disobeyed God and uh, sin entered the world because of their decision. We've then got the story of the flood and Noah and the ark. And then there comes a story, a really kind of crazy story about a tower that all the people tried to build. And um, God kind of came in and stirred up the languages and divided the nation. So, so a lot's going on. But just to summarize what's happened up till this point, you've got a situation where, where mankind is just kind of in a bit of a mess. And it becomes clear as you kind of read those first few chapters of the Bible that left to our own devices, we just can't figure this out. We're always falling short. We're always messing up in one way or another. So God realizes that he is going to have to in, uh, instigate a plan. He's going to have to develop a plan to help rescue man so we can be, our relationship with God can be restored. And that's exactly what we see starting to happen in Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1, it's the beginning of this incredible plan that plays all the way to today. We are a part of this plan thousands of years later. One Bible commentary I found put it this way. It said, the importance of Abraham in Genesis is that through Abraham, God reveals his purpose and his goal for the universe. In promises to Abraham, God reveals that he had a plan. So this plan that God's put in place to rescue us, to restore our relationship with him, it can be traced all the way back to this father of nations. So first this morning, I want to consider just um, this, this very first verse that I read, because there's such a lot packed into this verse, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and we could skip over it, but I want to just kind of look a little bit in detail this morning. Listen to what it says again. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, this is huge. 
This is a huge thing that we're reading here when you consider two things. Those two things are what he's being asked to do. So when we think about what Abraham's being asked to do and who was asking him to do this. So let me explain a little bit more in detail what I mean by those, those two ideas. The very first, what he was being asked to do. So Abraham's being asked to leave his hometown, his homeland. He's been asked to go off. And I went back and I checked in the chapter before and, and I couldn't see any indication that Abraham was looking for a reason to get out. There were no verses that read, one day God showed up and asked Abraham to leave and he responded by saying, thank goodness, I've been looking for a reason to get out of here. The taxes are so high where I live. I don't like the current leaders. The winters here are miserable. I don't read anything like that. There doesn't seem to be any reason why this guy wants to get out of where he's at. So it doesn't say one way or another, but as far as we know, Abraham wasn't looking to leave. He had roots in this place. He had a family. He was 75 years old. So that's a pretty long time to be in one place and then suddenly to be asked to uproot and go somewhere else. I don't think this would have been a simple decision for Abraham to make. In fact, I can relate. I can relate to how difficult of a decision this would have been. Because almost 30 years ago, I felt God was um, speaking to me. I felt like God was giving me an opportunity to leave my home country of England and to come here to Washington, Illinois. I had been invited by a church to come and start a brand new missions program here. And I felt God was in this. This was part of his plan. But it wasn't easy. It meant I was going to have to leave my home, my family, the country I grew up in. I've got a picture here of um, my country that I left behind. So you can see it was... I was just down the street from where I lived. That's not my backyard, but it's very close to where, where I live. So I'm thinking, man, I'm going to leave this and, <laughs> and come to Washington, Illinois. Now, it was a little bit easier because I was 24 years old at the time, and I had been to America twice at this point on vacation. When I was 11, we'd come over to California, and we went to Disneyland. It was brilliant. I had a great time as an 11-year-old at Disneyland. When I was 18, we came here again on vacation. This time, we went to Florida, Orlando. We went to Disney World. So when I was invited to come to Washington, Illinois, I was like, yes! I love America. I, I know exactly what it's like. I've been there twice. I really have got a good experience of what to, what to expect when I get to America. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. O'Hare was cool. The Chicago suburbs were cool. I-80 was pretty cool. Everything south of that was terrifying. <laughs> we just drove and drove, and there was nothing, nothing at all. And then we got to 24, we turned off another 45 miles of even less, less, there's just more nothingness. And here I arrive in Washington, Illinois. It looks a lot different than Orlando and Los Angeles. I remember at the time, it was a big decision to leave my parents to, to come over here. It was a big step to take. It wasn't an easy step. So when we look at this, it, it can be very easy to read verse one. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and we just skip over it. We don't realize the gravity of the step that he was taking. This is what he was being asked to do. The second crazy thing to consider is who was asking him to do this. Again, as um, people who maybe have grown up around church here, many of us that are here this morning are followers of Jesus, we, we, we don't have a hard time wrapping our heads around the idea of God asking Abraham to do something and him doing it. But listen to the, the place that Abraham was at that time. For 75 years now, he's been living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. 
It's a city in the heart of Mesopotamia, uh, a place that archaeologists now credit as being the first known civilization in this world. This area would now be kind of in modern-day Iraq. Ur was a city that was devoted to Nanar, the moon god. In that city, that was the, the god that had the highest prevalence. There were many gods that the people in this area worshipped, but I think we've got a picture if we didn't go off already. Yeah, there we go. So uh, I'm sure you recognize Nanar now. There he is. So um, these, are, these are actual, you know, archaeological finds that they found to show that the people of this time, this is who they were, this was one of the many gods that they were worshipping. So um, it's likely that Abraham knew of God, who we think of today, the God of the Bible, but he would have just been one of many gods that existed at that time. In fact, we know this because Joshua, a guy who lived many years later, he wrote, and he was talking about Abraham, he was talking about the history of Israel. He said in Joshua 24, verse 2, um, Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, they lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshipped other gods. So Joshua here is backing up what we now learn historically in our finds of this, this culture, this civilization, that this was a place where many gods were worshipped. So why would Abraham respond to one of those gods who says it's time to leave your land and come here? I think the clue is found in verse one. The Lord had said to Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham. What you need to understand is this particular time in this culture, as a worshiper of other gods, imagine Abraham's surprise to receive a direct revelation from God, from Yahweh, as the Israelites refer to him at this time. You see, the moon god and other deities, they were distant objects of worship. They didn't personally interact with men. They were just these, these foreign gods that the people would hopefully, you know, if we worship them, hopefully we'll get a good crop. We'll get, you know, this was something that was out there. There was no expectation of an interaction with these gods, let alone a relationship with these gods. And suddenly, and we don't know all the information, the Bible doesn't really say this, but, but we do know from Abraham's account passed down that there came a point where the Lord God of Israel, Yahweh, who we still think of today as, as the God, the creator of the universe, he interacted with Abraham. He spoke to Abraham. Now, I think because he had this personal interaction with God, that's what spurred him to say, hey, if you're talking to me, I'll follow wherever you tell me to go. I believe that Abraham maybe wasn't necessarily seeking God, but God sought Abraham. And I honestly believe, because I've seen this happen in my life and the life of others, that God still wants to interact with us personally to this day. I'm constantly amazed when I speak with others who have made a decision to follow Jesus, of how they see evidence in their lives of, of God at work in their lives, of situations they're facing. Sometimes they'll be reading the Bible and they'll say, it was crazy, I was going through the situation, and it was like God was speaking directly to me that morning. I've had people come to me at church and say, man, I felt like you were looking at me all morning this morning when, when you were speaking, because it was like, what I'm going through right now, that really spoke to my situation, that really spoke to what I'm going through. Sometimes we can just be, be, be driving, listening to worship music and, and just praying and, and have this, I, I, I believe there is a God who wants to have the same kind of personal interaction with you and I that Abraham experienced right there in the beginning. 
So when you put these two thoughts together, it shows the magnitude of this verse, that, that what he was asked to do and who was asking him to do this, I think in that moment we learn something very important about Abraham, and that is that Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham is clearly a man of faith, a man who, who hears from God and trusts him and is willing to go. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a wonderful, uh, there's, there's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews, and it's, it's a wonderful book. And, and in it, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer kind of does this little history lesson where he goes through the Old Testament and he just kind of highlights some of the major figures in the Old Testament and, and just reminds us what it is about them that, that made their faith so strong. And when he talks about Abraham, listen to what he says about Abraham in Hebrews 11 verses 8 and 9. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Over the next few weeks, as we talk more about Abraham and some of the things that took place in his life in the following chapters... You're going to see time and time again this faith that this man had in God, this trust, this willingness for him to just believe that God is who he said he was. By faith, Abraham went even though he did not know where he was going. So something else I learned this week is that um, those same archaeologists who are very familiar with that area of Mesopotamia, uh, they know that Ur was a very large city a very advanced city. They've, they've done digs in the area. They discovered that there was running water. They'd figure out how to get water moving throughout the city. There was a sewage system. It was a port city, so there'd been a lot of interaction, a lot of life, people coming and going. This was a huge kind of metropolitan place that Abraham lived in. And on hearing God speak to him, he leaves that behind to go and live in a tent out in the wilderness somewhere. That's how much faith Abraham had. Who does this? Who does this? Abraham was told to leave several things behind, his country, his people, his father's household. And he was told nothing about the land to which he must go. I believe his departure required an unparalleled act of faith. And I think for us this morning, this is the takeaway I hope we'll, because I, I love doing this. I love when we teach from the Bible and we look at um, situations in the Bible. I, I feel like sometimes I could leave just thinking, wow, that's so cool to learn a little bit more about this man, Abraham. We could kind of stop here. But, but what I like to do is say, but how does that affect my life today? How does the life of a man who lived 4,000 years ago, how does that affect my faith today? And I hope as we leave today, looking at this faith that Abraham had, it might inspire some of you to have a similar kind of unparalleled faith. And I think the key to understand here this morning, Abraham's faith, is understanding this. When he left, it's not what was said, it's who said it. It's not what was said, it's not what was asked of Abraham, it was who was asking it. Let me explain what I mean by that. I wonder if anyone here has ever done a trust fall. Have you ever seen that, where you're in one of those team building exercises and they're like, hey, I've got a great idea, we're gonna do a trust fall. And you're like, oh, I hate these. Because they just, they just never go well. 
they're notorious for having negative outcomes. I just did a very quick search. Here's just a few examples I saw of um, not so good trust falls. Check out this video. <laughs> Set, go. <laughs> Believe me, I spent a lot of time. There's a lot more than just that out there. They, sometimes they go well. Sometimes they're a great illustration of trust at work. But a lot of times they have negative outcomes. And I bet if I said this morning, hey, I, I need a volunteer. Come on up here. We're going to do a trust fall. When I count to three, I want you to fall backwards and I'll catch you. A big part of that is who's saying it. If I invited you up here, some of you might say, well, you're the pastor. Of course I'll fall backwards. Some of you know me better. You'll be like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. I don't trust you. I know exactly what you're like. I'm not letting you catch me. And have you ever thought about that? The trust fall is far less about who's asking. Oh, sorry, far less about what's being asked of you and far more who's asking. Imagine for a moment that this particular gentleman was the guy asking for the trust fall. I mean, come on. Mr. Rod, he's lovely. He's, he's never going to let any of us fall. I, I would go up in a heartbeat. I, I trust you, Mr. Rogers. I know you would catch me. Now, Imagine if it was somebody, uh, maybe one of these couple of characters. Now, you may not know who these guys are, okay? Uh, they were part of a show that I don't think I can say the name of here at church. Uh, but this show started out on MTV. It turned into a couple of movies. And these guys were famous for just doing horrible pranks to one another. I mean, awful, awful things to each other. And they built a whole industry on this. It's just movies and videos of them doing terrible things to one another. I tell you what, there is not a single way I would allow one of them to catch me. If one of these guys said to me, Dave, fall back, I'll catch you. Like, I know you won't. Not only will you not catch me, you'll probably allow me to do something horrendous. I'll fall into a swimming pool full of piranhas or something. I don't know what will happen, but it'll be awful. But keep that picture up for just a second. Think of that phrase. Think of that phrase. Trust me, fall back, I'll catch you. The phrase doesn't change at all. But depending on who is asking depends on how much faith we have. What we learn in the life of Abraham is that God can be trusted. Abraham takes this initial step. It's a huge step of faith. He's got no evidence that God can be trusted. He's got no, other than this interaction, he just trusts that he's heard the voice of God speak to him. And that's enough to cause him to step out. But as, as his life continues, he starts to see that God did bless him. God did make him the father of nations. I mean, think about it. It must have seemed incredible to Abraham and Sarah that God would bless the whole world through an elderly, childless couple. But those of us who know our Bible history, our Bible stories, will know that that's exactly what God did. From Abraham came the nation of Israel. From Israel came the Bible that we read today. From the lineage of Abraham came Jesus himself. This was part of God's incredible plan. And like the show, This Is Us, we trace it all the way back to the first introduction of a man named Abraham. So while it's a great story of all that God had going on through history, it also shows that from the very beginning, God can be trusted. When God says, Abraham, I want you to leave your land and go and start something new. We know now, looking back, that that voice can 
be trusted. Since then, we can read throughout the Old Testament of folks who listened to the voice of God and he didn't let them down. Into the New Testament, we read stories of the church beginning, people listening to the voice of God and he did what he said he would do. Over the centuries, we have history of, of the church growing throughout Europe and around the world and, and seeing um, famous stories of church leaders who stood on what they believed was God's word and God's promise and God didn't let them down. God was there saying, doing and saying what he said he would do all the way up to this morning where we watched a video together of some folks, young and old, talking about the interaction they've had with God through Jesus the difference he's made in their lives. Speaking this morning, that after many years of being on this life, alive on this earth, finally coming to church at the invitation of her son, someone saying, I've only been coming for a while, but in the time I've been coming, I've discovered that God is someone who can be trusted. God has made a difference in my life, so much so that I want to get baptized in the hottest water I've ever had to get in in my life. And I think when you think about that, it's not so much what God's asking us to do, it's who is asking us to do it. So as we close out this morning, I hope and pray that if there's something happening in your life right now, if you feel like God is maybe tugging at your heart in a specific di um, direction, maybe it's that you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You, you, you're familiar with the things of church. You may have family or friends who attend church. You may be here this morning because one of your friends was being baptized, but you yourself have never made that step because you feel like, well, I'm just not so sure. That's, that's kind of a bit of a trust fall, and I'm not sure if I trust. Again, I get that because it can be scary depending on who it is who's gonna catch you. Let me tell you, Dozens, hundreds of people here this morning could tell you, when I fell back, he called me. He was who he said he was. He's, he's changed my life. He is who he said he is. And maybe your step of faith this morning is stepping into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe like Abraham, God's calling you out of something this morning. Perhaps you've been wrestling with something in the last couple of days or weeks and, and you kind of thought, well, maybe this is just me. And now this morning you're sat here in the room thinking, oh, it's like God is speaking to me. He's like hammering home this point because I feel like he's calling me away from something. There's something that's about to change in my life. And, and like Abraham, I, this is hard because even though I believe this is God calling me, you don't understand how great what I'm in right now is. <laughs> It's like this city called Ur of Mesopotamia. It's a wonderful place and God's calling me to live in a tent in the wilderness. That's, that's how it feels like what's going on in my life right now. But again, starting with Abraham thousands of years ago, we see evidence that when it's God calling you, that that voice can be trusted. However scary it may seem, if you'll have that faith that Abraham had to step out, I honestly believe that God will bless you like he blessed Abraham. We're gonna learn over the coming weeks just the incredible blessing that occurred throughout history that started in the life of this one man. And you have no idea what, what's going on in your life right now, what it'll have impact-wise going forward in the history of, of your family, your children, your children's children. If you'll choose to be bold, step out, leave behind and, and move towards what God's calling you to, let's pray. Father, when we uh, read the story of this man who lived thousands of years ago, 
it's very inspirational to, to, to realize the level of faith he had. When we're here this morning thinking about Christianity and um, our faith in Christ and our belief in God, it's based on the Bible, on hundreds of years of people who have gone before us. But Abraham, he was the first. He was the first. And, and he, he had an encounter with you. He, he heard your voice. And he had enough faith to believe it was you, to believe that you would do what you were promising to do. And he left behind the security of his homeland, his family, his, his, uh, the place that he'd known for 75 years and, and step out into the unknown of the wilderness. And as we're gonna find out in the coming weeks, even Abraham wasn't aware of just how much you were gonna do through his life. He got to see an incredible amount take, happen and take place in his life. But now, hundreds of years later, we see just how much this father of nations has impacted the world in which we live today. So God, I pray, I pray this morning that many who are here this morning, who may be wrestling with some things, would have the faith of Abraham, the faith that Abraham had, to be willing to to leave something behind, whatever it may be, to to step towards you, to step into your promise, your promise. your direction for our lives. It takes faith. It's like falling back in a trust fall, and it's super nerve-wracking, but Lord, what makes it possible is not what's being asked, but who's doing the asking, and we do trust you, Lord. So help us have that faith this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.